Hey everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Roof Podcast. As always, I'm your hardest fighter, here is my co-host Matthew Bart, the director and managing editor of The Roof, your premier source for Rice Sports news and analysis. The Roof Podcast is part of the Dave Campbell's Texas Football Republic of Football Podcast Network. We're rolling. A plus yeah. on our way, which is good. I guess it's fitting. We got media days coming up by the time you're listening to this. It'll be officially talking season. So we've yeah, perfected yeah. perfected our uh, our intro to talking before we talk. <laughs> I, I have done nothing. Excellent. You have perfected it. I have I cheered mean, you it, on. Yeah. It's part of it. But it's also cool because I guess we're wrapping up the end of our our AAC previews. We got I guess two more, well one more after this podcast and then man, it'll be time to start talking rice and thinking about a football season. I'm seeing all these countdowns that say like we're six Saturdays away or five set whatever it is. I don't know when week 0 is, but dang. I'm ready, man. Yeah, it's uh it's it's closing in fast. Uh uh, uh, I always get to that we're at that part of the summer where it's just like, oh, it's uh like two weeks away from August here. Like when did where do where what is July? Where did July go? It's gone. Everything's gone. We're full speed ahead. Let's see. Full speed ahead. A uh, couple plugs. Uh, shop at Homefield. Use the code Roost R O O S T. I got to stop and think about that. It's not a hard word, but sometimes when I get going. <laughs> Get your cool, comfy apparel. I know that I, I'm recording right now. We got a home field shirt, and we're we're ready to roll. So I feel official now. I don't, I don't know if I've recorded in home field yet. I have a nice new hoodie, but my office is kind of hot. So I'm repping the brand. I've definitely recorded in before. I um I brought home the I got the the old English R uh, right T-shirt that uh that uh, was was. Got his free swag, and Matt and I met up the other day, and 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 he got it to me, and I brought it home, and my wife was like, "Oh, this is my shirt now. This is mine now." So home field, <laughs> we need more shirts. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we'll get some. So, <laughs> yeah. so yeah, that we got desirable. that. We got all sorts of stuff, and we got a uh, we got season previews. If you're not yet subscribed on Patreon, Patreon.com/slash at the roost, we got season previews. I think we have uh, almost half the team previews two-thirds of the team previews up about half positional previews now i'm gonna be honest i've kind of cheated and got most of the easy stuff out of the way now i have to figure (laughs) out like (laughs) offensive line and and safety those are the question marks i will be uh talking to some people hopefully this week so i have an idea i i I will not just speculate into the air i promise to get informed before i give you all uh, at least takes. I can't say it'll be perfect, but it'll be opinions that are sourced in some semblance of truth. So we got a lot going on. Uh, never a dull moment. And I guess the same goes for today. We got another new exciting guest as we venture out to the East. All right. And we're here now to talk all things ECU with Bubba Rosenbaum. How's it going, man? Doing well, guys. I appreciate you having me on. Uh, you know, I, Love talking college football and especially East Carolina and the American. Yeah, so tell us, what do we need to know about ECU? We just got talking off mic. It is in North Carolina, not East Carolina. What else is going on with the Pirates and the program? Yeah, 
very proud football tradition. Um, the program is resurfacing under Mike Houston. 2016 to 2018 was one of the roughest, uh, perhaps the roughest stretch in program history right there with 2002 through 2004. But um, Mike Houston and staff have done an excellent job of getting the program back to respectability where we're winning seven or eight games on a consistent basis now over the last couple of years, um, going to bowl games last year. Uh, we, we won eight games, as I mentioned, and, and really took care of business in a pretty convincing way against Coastal Carolina in the Birmingham Bowl. So we, we feel like the program is trending back toward where it can compete for conference championships. So are you telling me that you are a fan of a program that's had a head coach for, man, more than a couple seasons and actually likes him and would like him to stick around? Because I was going through my prep work and it's a bunch of new guys who's been there one or two years, or it's a bunch of the like three to four year guys that we're not really sure about it. To get past four and to still be in the good graces is a rarity at today's age. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, obviously, you take a look within the American, you had Ken New Matololo at Navy, but um, that has obviously changed now with Brian Newberry taking over and and yes, uh, with with the stakes uh, being higher than ever, and um, obviously it's all about money. And you know, uh, coaches have probably more more challenges uh, than ever before when it comes to the transfer portal and the NIL. And you know, some embrace it, and then you know, some hate it. And when it comes to Mike Houston, what's kind of worked out for him that that fans are pretty happy with how he's got things going at ECU. I think Coach Houston and his staff, um, you know, first of all, he hired an excellent staff. He he brought in um, coaches that East Carolina was familiar with because they had been there multiple times in the past. Guys like Steve Shankweiler, uh, also offensive coordinator Donnie Kirkpatrick had been there multiple times uh, under Skip Holtz and Ruffin McNeil. So um, he, he was very smart about who he hired, and it, it was very you – know, maybe I shouldn't say easy, but it was – probably not as difficult as it would be for some coaches to assemble that staff because Shank Weiler and Kurt Patrick had been with him at James Madison. So um, they made the trip down from Harrisonburg, but um, Shank Weiler has since moved into an off the field role, but, um, but the staff that coach Houston assembled and coach Houston's personality and mindset is, you know, very, very similar to, uh, you know, what pirate fans embrace as far as, you know, being the underdog and you know working hard and earning everything that you get because you're not going to have anything given to you like you like you may at certain programs. So um, it, I think Mike Houston was very much a natural fit when he was named the coach in December of 2018. It was probably about the the shortest coaching search you could have. And you know, to be honest, and we with the sports objective, we hadn't had him on in August of 2018 because uh, we just had a feeling that we we're going to have to hire a new coach uh, come November. And, and that was the case. And, and Mike Houston was, was the target and, and fortunately we we're able to get it done. And now this is kind of the hard question to figure out when it comes to college football these days. And it's the, uh, the uh, Tom Brady, Bill Belichick quarterback or coach, because Holton Aylers is not going to be at ECU. And he's a name that, a bunch of especially G5 football fans know pretty well because I was looking at stats, four-year starter, 13,933 yards, 
not a hundred touchdowns, only ninety-seven. But I feel like every time I looked over and he's having a four-touchdown game and he's somewhere on Sports Center. So what? What? How much of this do you credit to him? How much do you credit uh, to Houston? And then kind of what's the path forward without Ehlers under center, which is is got to be weird. Yeah, very very strange. Um, but at the same time. You know, time to move on um you know and i mean that in a in a good sense you know as the saying goes you know think all good things come to an end and uh you know holton nailers you know improved significantly during his time and really um, helped transform the program um, but it was very much a team effort and holton nailers would be the first to tell you that um, be it the tremendous coaching staff that we've already discussed or the improvement around holton nailers you know with uh, a program that was very bare in the trenches on both sides of the ball when Coach Houston and staff took over, improved the depth there, and then also brought in uh, more more quality skill pieces on the offensive side for Holton to distribute the ball to, but then also um, got back to being able to run the football well with a guy like Keaton Mitchell, who's now uh, with the Baltimore Ravens and stands an excellent chance to make that roster. And, you know, he's done very well in training camp thus far. But uh, I think it's been very much a team effort. It'll be it'll be very strange um, to not see Holt Naylor's behind center when we open the year here in, I guess, about a month and a half from now up at the big house against Michigan. Uh, not, not a bad place to get your first, well, not your first start, if it's going to be Mason Garcia, but second start of your career and make that transition um, behind center and you also have Alex Flynn uh, factoring into the equation both of those guys have been in the program for quite some time uh, you know obviously very large shoes to fill uh, with Holt Naylor's the hometown kid who had so much success and just had a stellar senior season uh, where he threw just five interceptions while throwing 28 touchdowns and was the epitome of what you want from the quarterback position as far as leadership and also taking care of the football in addition to producing the big plays. But uh, Mason Garcia, 6'4", about 250 or 255 pounds, very strong arm uh, from Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Uh, as I mentioned, he's been in the program for several years now, since 2020. He did have that lone start when Holt Naylor's had COVID, um, got the start against Navy in 2020. Otherwise, uh, has seen a few packages taking advantages of uh, his size and athleticism and running ability, but for the most part, um, has has not seen many snaps at this point. And then Alex Flynn, um, Flynn has been in the program even longer, and uh, he is someone very cerebral. Um, he brings different things to the table than than Garcia does, but um, I would not be surprised at all to see him get significant snaps or, or meaningful action in 2023. So how about how about on the other side of the ball on the on the defense? I am looking back at mixed bag for ECU last season, and you know a couple guys coming back. What's kind of the the tenor on that side of the ball, and how do you think it's going to complement or maybe pick up some slack with a, a newer quarterback on the other side? Feel very good about the defense under uh, fourth year defensive coordinator Blake Carroll. As you mentioned last Fourth year. Fourth year, man. Yeah. People don't have this level of consistency. Yeah, it's it's hard to believe um, because in Coach Houston's first year, Bob Trott was the defense coordinator. He'd come with Coach Houston from James Madison. Um, but 
Coach Houston did not feel like the defense was multiple enough and just attacking um, the offenses that you have in today's college football world um, felt like you need to make a change there to be more multiple and you know bring a variety of blitzes, coverages, and so forth. And uh, he's done just that in Blake Carroll, um, very blitz heavy early on as the talents improved. Uh, that has changed some. I think this year we'll probably be able to bring some more pressure than we did a season ago. Um, part of that is because we're much um, more athletic and longer in the defensive backfield and are going to be able to play more man coverage. So hopefully uh, we'll be able to you know, dial up some some pressure that we were not a season ago. Uh, I think that, uh, that that length and athleticism, not only at corner and safety, but then also um, also in some improved athleticism and speed at linebacker uh, will generate just that. So you're going to have to help me on this. Cause, so I, I hear some good things. I hear a couple concerns and I, I have to, I have to submit my ballot for AAC media days. This, I guess, coming week when we get this released and I have kind of figured out, I feel pretty good about the handful of two or three teams at the top. I feel pretty good about who I think are going to be the teams at the bottom and then everybody in the middle, I I don't know what to do from like five to twelve. Basically, <laughs> ECU I have in the middle of the five through twelve. Or is this a you know top five old, team? Uh, is this? A... <laughs> yeah, the yeah, most... shrug right there in the middle of the standing. <laughs> it's yeah, actually most, the emoji is what I'm going to turn. Understandably, in. <laughs> sorry, I had a little bit of a lag there. I didn't mean to step on you, but some of the predictions, um, you know. It, as you said, typically fifth to seventh, somewhere in that neighborhood behind the likes of Tulane, UTSA, SMU, and Memphis. And I think that's fair, uh, given, given the amount of production lost, especially on the offensive side. Uh, you, you see uh, not only Holton Aylers is gone, Keaton Mitchell that I referenced, and then two 1,000-yard receivers in C.J. Johnson, who elected to leave after his junior season. And then also uh, Zaya Winstead. Uh, Zay Winstead uh, had joined the East Carolina program from Toledo prior to last season. So a ton of offensive production to replace. However, you feel pretty good about the, the pieces that are present. Uh, just obviously very, very unproven. And then uh, defensively, you feel um, you feel very good about the you know the improved athleticism, speed. In, in size and your your uh, experience in the trenches, but then uh, that that depth and um, and just improved talent in, in the other two levels of the defense at linebacker and corner and safety, uh, you, you feel good about where you are. So while I think fifth through seven is fair, it would not surprise me if if the Pirates get solid play out of Mason Garcia at quarterback in the offensive line which has a few new pieces as well. If if those guys come together and the Pirates are able to run the ball, um, obviously you're probably not going to have the explosive plays that you did with Keith Mitchell, but still very talented running back with the likes of Marlon Gunn, Rajay Harris, Gerald Green transferring in from Georgia Southern. So um, would not shock me if the, if the Pirates are able to to crack that top four if those things, if those questions are answered successfully. I guess, and part of the calculus in figuring that out is where to slot in all of these, I guess, new teams along with Rice that are joining the AAC for the first time 
this year. Uh, have you in your mental Rolodex? Can you place all fifteen teams? I'll get this correct. Fifteen teams in the American. If I made you write them all down, do you have it? We've had mixed responses on this so far. Most definitely, uh, you know, <laughs> we, we we follow things we we follow things pretty closely. But, uh, but you, yeah. you've done your homework. Yes, in this day and age, it can definitely be challenging. You know, keeping up with everything. You know, for instance, FAU now no longer wants to be FAU; they want to be known as Florida Atlantic. I saw that they dropped all the FAU stuff off yeah. their logos. Yeah, um, now it's just the Al, no longer FAU. So I, I guess, I guess that uh, that raised the question: Does do y'all have a serious preference between ECU and East Carolina? We really do not. Uh, sure, there are fans that have their thoughts either way. Uh, I, I, I'd say if you had to to say, um, I think as a fan base, um, we probably prefer East Carolina by and large. But you know that's that's an interesting discussion, and that's as they say, kind of a podcast in itself because... Let's say, are there heated sides? I want to know the tensions between the ECU yeah, that, versus East Carolina. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, pr- pretty much. Uh, you, you think back to uh, the Scotty Montgomery era, I think it was either 2017 or 2018, we, we put ECU in the end zone, and, and it was quite the uproar how it should be East Carolina. <laughs> and, you know, the... The chancellor and athletic administration at the time, um, they they made that push for ECU, and you know it was ECU on the uniforms, on the court, field, whatever the case may be, and uh, that wasn't received very well. So um, after Mike Houston took over, things gradually got back to being East Carolina on the on the field, and then on most of the uniforms, there are still uniforms that have ECU as well, though. So. So the I think the preference for most people is East Carolina, but then you know on TV where you have to shorten it uh, rather than putting E car or uh, or E caro as you see at times it, it should be ECU, ECU. Yes, I definitely saw that on a ticker at some point on I don't remember where it was last year and kind of rolled my eyes because I was just like, it, what, what does this even mean? And I've seen. The same thing, uh, like for for South Carolina, you know, I've seen S S car instead of obviously there you have the USC. Uh, At least there's like yeah. another USC oh, right. where like maybe we'll right. do it. There's there's not another ECU. The right. South Carolina fans get real ornery about the USC thing, right? And and of course you have Clemson fans and other fans calling them USC East. <laughs> it kind of feels appropriate. We have no no S, uh, South Carolina fans on this podcast. <laughs> I'll tell you. Well, before uh, we do let you go, we run everybody through uh, what we call the lightning round, which uh, these are answers that we will write down and keep, uh, you know, until until Jesus comes back for, for all time. And uh, we'll hold you to them at the end of the season. Are you uh, prepared? I'm as, I'm as prepared as I'm going to be. That's the right answer. You're, you A point so far. All right, so just on the top of your head, whatever you got, okay? For ECU in 2023, who's going to lead the team in touchdowns? And we're talking about rushing, Offensive passing, touchdowns. Uh, total touchdowns. Uh, I'll, I'll have to go with um, 
with Mason Garcia if we're talking if we're talking total touchdowns. Quarterback's not a bad guess. Yeah. On the other side of the ball, let's talk defense. Who leads the team in sacks? I will say. Um, let's see. I'm between a couple names here. I I will go. Um, Jeremy Lewis. Uh, Jeremy Lewis is a is a proven commodity, and uh, maybe a dark horse to watch it would be uh, Ra Ra Dilworth. He's coming in from the University of North Carolina. Uh, Ra Ra, I'm rooting yeah. for Ra Ra. Uh, yeah, I remember. I remember when he was a recruit. But you know, very. He's an undersized linebacker, but you know, very, very fast. Uh, so he's someone that um, keep an eye on for for that honor i meant he's my new my new favorite player in the aac we got Ra Ra. okay uh who's a player on ecu that's not going to be on any of the all conference preseason lists i guess a bunch of those are out already uh who's one that's not going to be on it but you think he probably should be let's see um who we sleeping on I will go uh, e- either Marlon Gunn or, or Jalen Johnson. Marlon Gunn is um, likely to be the number one running back. Um, you have Rajay Harris also, but Rajay's coming off an ACL injury. And even though his recovery is going very well, uh, I would go with Marlon Gunn or uh, Jalen Johnson. Jalen Johnson's a transfer wide receiver from Georgia. Last year he had 25 or 30 receptions. Um, battled some injuries, so if if Jalen can stay healthy this year, um, I would I would take one of those two to potentially be All Conference. And if I was looking at the the defensive side of the ball for that, I would say uh, perhaps Siobhan Revel, uh, who's a who's a cornerback. He's six, six two or six three, and um, really brings some of that athleticism and length to the table that I was referencing earlier. Okay, well, let's go big picture AAC. This is wide open. Somebody in the AAC that you think you're just going to enjoy watching the most in 2023. I mean, how how could you not go with Frank Harris, the, the quarterback at UTSA? Um, very familiar with him. Um, watched the Roadrunners last year against Houston, and then also um, the bowl game against against Troy, and then saw. And saw other games, bits and pieces as well. So very impressed with what Coach Trailer has built there in San Antonio. Yeah, that's a good pick. And we'll bounce back to ECU. Uh, rookie of the year. Who's your new guy? Let's see. Um, so not necessarily a freshman, just new, new to the Pirates. Um, yeah, we don't know what classifications see, uh, are in the modern age of college football. Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let's see eligibility is an illusion it's a fluid right. concept um i'll go with um perhaps keelan robinson or or chase Sowell, who are transfer wide receivers from kansas and colorado respectively or uh, if you're going to the offensive side or um you also have gerald green that i mentioned at running back um then on the defensive side, um, perhaps uh, either Taekwon King or B.J. Davis, who were who were FCS products at 
North Carolina A&T and South Carolina State, all conference performers at those institutions. And uh, I could see them, you know, really surprising some folks this year. Okay. We got some options. Let's go MVP for ECU. Let's see. Uh, I'd say you, you certainly lean. Uh, it's, you could always say the quarterback and, uh, you know, I really we give bonus points for everyone who doesn't say the quarterback. Right, and you're allowed to say the quarterback, but with this situation with losing Miller's, <laughs> and I really think whether we're you know a four, five, six win team, or maybe even a seven, eight, or nine win team, and I know that's easy to say, but uh, it's even more you know more the case in the pirate scenario. But if if I'm going to go to someone other than Mason Garcia. I will say, um, let's see, I will go, um, I'll go Marlon Gunn. Okay. And then back to the AAC, you just said that Frank Harris was your MVP pick. You pick in, uh, if you can't pick ECU, does that mean you're picking UTSA to win the conference? Correct. I, I would I would definitely uh, favor probably probably the road runners. Um, it's definitely understandable, you know, why you know, some of those other programs you see mentioned, like an SMU or Tulane, because of what Tulane did last year. But I I would I would lean toward if I'm not picking the, the Pirates, I I would pick you know Tulane or UTSA, and that's largely because not only the success they've had in recent years, but what they return with proven signal callers in Frank Harris. Um, and, and then, uh, and then obviously at, at Tulane, I um, can't believe we, we just talked about, I'm drawing a blank here. Uh, Michael Pratt, M- Michael, Michael Pratt. I can't believe I blanked on Michael Pratt, but uh, Michael Pratt, proven commodity. And I was very excited to see Pratt choose to stay at Tulane instead of entering the transfer portal because uh a lot of folks in his position would have chosen the money. Yeah, Carter, have we, have we had anybody say a school other than UTSA or Tulane for the top pick? I think we're pretty consensus now. Yeah, uh, which sort of makes me surprised that we haven't gotten any SMU. But uh, yeah, The S- and... SMU guy didn't even say SMU. Un- unsurprisingly. Well, he's uh, not allowed to. That That's true. Yeah. We We pull that out. That's in the rules. And, Unsurprisingly, uh, a general consensus behind UTSA and uh, uh, and Tulane. All right, but so we got. Go ahead. As far as the Pirates are concerned, um, I would certainly not pick us for the reasons that I've mentioned because of the the pieces that have to be replaced, the production on the offensive side. But I do think that if some of those some of those unproven commodities step up. Uh, that uh, East Carolina could find itself um, potentially in the hunt in November. Within the range of outcomes. I'll take that. All right, and then going uh, a little bit deeper, uh, not ECU, not UTSA, Tulane, the guys we've talked about. Uh, Who's your sleeper team? Who's your surprise? Who do you think is going to catch people's attention this year in the AAC? Uh, Let's see. One to to maybe keep an eye on. I don't know that they would be, uh, let's see, 
Perhaps FAU uh, with Tom Herman. I really like that hire. Uh, really like what Tom Herman did in not only at Houston, but then even at Texas. And, you know, that's just such a interesting situation and dynamic there in Austin. Uh, so I like the hire of Tom Herman at FAU, but uh, if I'm uh, also the Owls up in Philly, uh, I think EJ Warner, you know, he, he did some nice things late last season, you know, threw, threw for four or 500 yards on a couple of occasions, I believe. So would not be surprised to see them make some nice strides uh, under that coaching staff. Okay, I said this was scored. You picked both of the other owls on a Rice podcast, so I'm just I'm noting that for the record. Yeah, <laughs> bulletin board material, but yeah. <laughs> uh, Rice's uh, first home game in the uh, AAC will be ECU, so uh, it'll be a fun one. But we will uh, we'll let you go. We have, I guess, another what couple months to uh, let the uh, let the let the hate. Uh, brew where can uh our followers find you figure out what's going on and with uh ecu and and prep for the pirates before they come to town yeah really appreciate you having me on um, the sports objective or podcast that's been around since 2018 you can find us on youtube facebook and really pretty much any podcast platform so uh, you can also follow us on social media on twitter at the sports obj on instagram at the sports objective and then, uh, like I said, by simply searching the Sports Objective on Facebook and YouTube, and uh, on YouTube we're approaching 1,000 subscribers. So, uh, you know, if if you uh, enjoy following the American, not only East Carolina but the conference as a whole, we encourage you to subscribe because we not only discuss the Pirates but also the American as a whole. All right. Well. Thanks for hopping on with us, Bubba. Thanks uh, to the listeners for sticking through us. We got uh, one more, uh, one more AAC opponent to preview after this. We'll have our old buddy uh, Jared on next week, but we'll uh, see you all then as football draws ever closer and uh, right fight. Yeah, we. This show was edited and produced by Carter Spires. It features music from Joseph McDade.